0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Being and Making Disciples. On a forum that talks about evangelization, I recently came across a post where somebody was explaining how different RCIA is in their parish. And what this person meant was he works in what I would consider a small parish, small for my diocese, with 450 families and they don't typically have a lot of people becoming Catholic because there's just a small population. So it's about one a year. And whereas in a larger parish, you would have lots of people going through RCA, maybe 10. So it would look more like a class. This community had much smaller groups or cohorts. And so it didn't really make sense to have this classroom setting where you have one person standing and talking to one student, if you were. So they did something different. So this episode, I want to ask the question, what would it look like if RCIA happened individually in homes on a one-on-one basis? So let's explore that. So first, what is RCIA? RCIA stands for the Right of Christian Initiation for adults. And when we say adults, we don't mean people who are 18 and older, we mean people who are of the age of reason, because even children who have hit that age and have not yet received their sacraments are to go through RCIA instead of traditional catechesis and traditional sacramental preparation. So pretty soon there's going to be an update to this, and they're going to call it the Order of Christian Initiation rather than the Rite of Christian Nation, because the reality is there's multiple rites within this. And this is actually a formal liturgy of the church. So there's different liturgical rites that are meant to be performed. So when people say RCIA, they typically mean the class. But what the church means when we say RCIA is the set of liturgical practices that includes things like the right of acceptance and the right of election and the scrutinies and the celebration of the Easter sacraments and then the period of mystagogy or exploring and reflecting on the mystery of the sacraments after you've received them and after you've become Catholic, which is lifelong. So rather than thinking of RCIA as a, as a set of classes, we should instead think of kind of two different components here. One is those liturgical practices, liturgical rites, and the other is evangelization or the process of becoming a disciple. So those are two distinct things. Now, let's walk through the process of what it would look like for somebody to become Catholic. So let's say that's you. You've decided, okay, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to become Catholic. So what do you do? Well, most people would probably look up churches nearby and they would look on a website and see how does this happen? Or maybe you know somebody and they can connect you at the parish. But sooner or later, you're going to call or get in touch with a local Catholic church and you're going to explain to somebody that you want to explore what it means to become Catholic. So, They will invite you. Maybe they'll invite you to a one-on-one meeting, or maybe they will invite you to a a, a gathering. Whether there's multiple people there, kind of like an orientation, or just say, "Hey, showing up to the classes. It's Tuesday night at eight o'clock, and we will get started." So at some point, you'll be informed about a schedule. You'll be told, "Okay, we're going to meet on you know these evenings, and you need to be at mass on these Sundays, and then you're going to go to cathedral on this Sunday for this big event, and then." on Easter by the way Easter is late this year just because of that's how when we decide Easter it's always the first full moon of spring or the first full moon after or rather the first sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox so that's why Easter's later earlier whenever it is this year and then you'll become catholic and you'll be ready to go so that person if they show up if they attend all of the classes if they do all the things they're supposed to do They might be baptized. If they haven't been baptized yet, they'll be baptized. They will receive First Holy Communion, and they will be confirmed. And then at a later point, they will go to confession for the very first time as an adult. And then they will be fully initiated Catholics. But what hasn't happened so far? We don't know whether that person knows Jesus, whether that person loves God, whether that person is ready to be a disciple whether they fully appreciate what they're doing we also don't know and, and some of this may have happened in the phone call but some of it may not have we don't know why this person wants to become catholic we don't know what they already know about the church we don't know what their existing relationship with the lord is like and for convenience perhaps in a lot of situations the path of becoming catholic looks the same for Everyone, regardless of knowledge, regardless of spiritual maturity, regardless of background. If you say you want to become Catholic, one person described it as this. It's, this gentleman became Catholic as an adult. He said he felt like he was herded like cattle through this process, and nobody really took the time to get to know him. Now, I'm not saying that's universal and that's happening at every parish or even the majority of parishes, um, but it happens. Uh, there's usually a an example that's something like this. Um, They'll contrast two different people who are going through this process of becoming Catholic. And one of them is... uh, the fiance of somebody who is catholic and they want to get married in the church and so the this non-catholic member of the relationship will say well sure I'll become catholic it doesn't you know I'm happy to do that for you so they show up and their primary motivation for becoming catholic is not because they're convinced of the truth of it but it's because their spouse thinks it's really important and they love their or their future spouse rather they love their future spouse so they're willing to do this even if they're not personally convinced in the truth of the faith or that Jesus is their Savior and that they should have a relationship with him, that he's offering them a relationship. On the other hand, you could have somebody, this always seems to to be the example I hear, somebody who has been part of a non-Catholic religious tradition, so another Christian denomination, let's say a a Lutheran or an Anglican who has a lot of liturgy and that's very formalized and they're very familiar with the, the history of the Catholic Church and the history of the Lutheran, the Lutheran Church, and they have a fervent relationship with the Lord, and they pray and they know Scripture, and they know all of the, this theology. If those two people call the Church at the same time, they will be put in the same group, in the same class, and listen to the same presentations for the same period of time, let's say nine months, and then they will be baptized and receive Jesus in the Eucharist and be confirmed at the same day, And what that presumes is that the Holy Spirit is going to move in their hearts in exactly the same way. And while that could happen, I don't think we should assume that would happen in the church, actually, in her wisdom recognizes this as well, that people should become Catholic, not when Easter comes around, but when they're ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know that we are big on everyone living as a disciple. And part of that, part of what it means to live as a member of the community of people who follow Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church, that means helping other people come to know Jesus, which is one of the great joys of being a disciple of Jesus, of telling other people how good he is and what he means to you. And so that's why we're talking about this today. And we've talked before about what it would look like to have a small church, small in kind of the the national sense of what if Catholicism in the United States, for example, Became impoverished, and that we didn't have a lot of the material resources and we didn't enjoy the societal benefits that we do. What would the church look like? Well, we might not be able to have these large classes where people become Catholic. We might not have a lot of staff and a lot of professional ministers. We might rely more on volunteers. So, this was part of that thought experiment of what would it look like if sharing the faith and evangelizing and helping people come to know God, still, uh, rather, not still, but took place in the home in a one-on-one basis. Now, one thing I want to be very clear of is that um, the liturgical aspects of the RCIA, the rite of acceptance, the rite of election, the scrutinies, the Easter sacraments, the mystagogy, that's, or probably not the mystagogy that can take place anywhere, but the other things, that's all going to take place within the liturgy. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people doing those things in the home, but I'm talking about the, the process of helping people come to fall in love with Jesus and decide that they want to follow him in the midst of his church. What if that took place in an individual setting? So everybody has a sponsor when they become Catholic. What if that sponsor was a mentor who was responsible or partly responsible for sharing the beauty and richness of our Catholic faith with other people? Recently, I had a conversation with some friends, of what are we supposed to do? You know, we can look around and we can see things that we're not in control of and that are not in our sphere of influence that we complain about and we would love for them to be different, but we don't have that authority and we don't have that power other than to pray. So in the meantime, what should we do? And my response was we should help people come to know Jesus. And we might think, Well, I'm you know, I'm doing that with my kids, I'm busy, I have this job, that kind of thing. How beautiful would it be if the norm for Catholics, and not the exception, was that we were leading people into the church, into a relationship with Jesus on a regular basis. And that's not to say that um, it has to be every year, that has to be all the time. But if it were never, if it only happened once, if it were so uncommon, I have to think that we wouldn't be taking Jesus's invitation and the church's invitation to evangelize seriously. So going back to that idea of that small parish with just a few hundred families and only one person or two people a year becoming Catholic, rather than having a class, you would be forced to do it one on one. And this would begin to look like an apprenticeship, which is actually kind of what the church proposes, that people are are gradually introduced to the mystery of this, of the church. And there's a couple steps that uh, would be important. We've we've talked about the different thresholds of discipleship before. I want to introduce another idea here. And these are the steps or the stages of becoming a disciple. So first, someone needs to be evangelized or perhaps have pre-evangelization. And this is really establishing a sense of trust and curiosity, Someone uh, helping someone get to the point where they're interested enough in the Catholic faith that they want to ask questions, they want to know more. Once somebody's been evangelized, they've kind of been prepared, then there's a proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's that core message. We had a recent episode on how to tell the story of Jesus, the Kerygma. So this is that opportunity. And then once somebody has been evangelized and they've had that proclamation made of the Kerygma, then they're catechized. And that means they're introduced to what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus in the midst of his church. And then finally, there's preparation for mission, preparation for being a, a missionary disciple. And Pope Francis in Evangelii Gaudium, I believe it was paragraph 120, said that does not need to be a lengthy preparation. Sometimes we might think, well, yeah, that's going to take three years or it's going to take seven years. or You got to go get a master's degree. You have to become this level certified in order to do this. You have to be a brown belt in catechesis. And I find it very refreshing that Pope Francis reminds us. We don't need to envision a lengthy process of preparation before people are prepared to proclaim the love of God. And that's a challenge for me because I love study, I love education, and I want people to spend more time in that. So I just use it as a reminder for myself. Don't keep people in waiting too long because they'll lose interest and they'll go do something else instead. So what would it look like if people individualized one-on-one? I'll propose this image. So... Let's say you called your parish, and whether you were that fiancé or whether you were the high church Lutheran who had been going to Catholic Mass with your spouse your whole life, but had also been going to Lutheran services, and then you finally decided after decades of going to Mass that you wanted to become Catholic. So both of those situations are very unique because there's different levels of knowledge, there's different levels of familiarity with the liturgy, and especially relationship with the Lord. So that's where an interview would be very handy. That could be the priest, that could be a member of the parish staff, it could even be a volunteer whose job was to be the the door holder, somebody who holds the door open for other people. I borrowed that term from Passion City Church. And the idea would be to just ask questions and understand why does this person want to become a member of the Catholic Church? Do they particularly feel called to relationship with Jesus? Are they attracted by the beauty of the liturgy, by our architecture, by the integrity and the coherency of church teaching? What is it? And then, after you understand where someone is, they can be matched with a mentor, with a guide, someone who's going to walk them closer. Now, it would be really interesting, and there's some marriage preparation programs that we've talked about on the show, Witness to Love with Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett, where people choose their own mentors. That's a possibility, because you could provide people with the resources to mentor someone else. But for, for now, let's just assume that you're going to assign somebody, and you have people who are well-prepared and well-equipped to walk with people who want to become Catholic. So then after the handoff, where the interviewee and the interviewer say, okay, I think, you know, it'd be really, really good for you to work with Justin here. Justin's a young dad. He's, he's in love with his wife. He's in love with his kids. He's in love with the church. He's very knowledgeable. He's passionate about his faith. He is going to show you what it means to be Catholic. During that time, Justin's role would be not just to give information, but to lead people to an encounter with Jesus, which is the purpose of catechesis. And really, that's the point of evangelization. We're helping people come to the point where they are open to the reality of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as we get to know them, we understand where they are. We establish trust with people. What is it that makes them want to become Catholic? We answer the questions they have, and as they're ready, we give them more information. And when we think they're ready and they're interested enough, then we can tell them, this is what it means to follow Jesus. We proclaim the kerygma to them. And that might happen on the first day. That might happen after a couple of weeks. might happen a little more slowly. And as they express this interest, then we answer the questions they have. And I would almost say, and this is not church teaching, this is just Dan waxing here, is um, when they are ready to receive the gospel when they're ready to follow jesus that's when you're ready to start teaching them about the mysteries of jesus but until then if they're not even sure why they want to be catholic it's i think it's paramount that they understand what that actually means what it means to follow jesus in the midst of his church and this isn't just learn some things do some things and then you're part of the club this is a commitment of your entire life to the person of jesus christ and to the father and the son in the trinity and that's really doing justice to what this is to the beauty of the church and if we give people anybody if we give anybody anything less than that i don't think we're doing them justice so once they've they've had the kerygma shared and proclaimed then it's time to catechize that's when we can go through a systematic understanding of the catholic faith and there's plenty of resources out there. The catechism is the chief among them. That's what Catholics know. That's what Catholics learn. So there's some, some really good resources out there where you could just walk through the big picture. So the creed, what do we profess? What do we proclaim? The sacraments, moral life, life in Christ, the liturgy, uh, life in prayer, community. And in a in a very important way, those things aren't subjects. They're ways of life. So rather than teaching people about prayer, rather than saying, okay, here, I'm going to prepare a lecture for you on prayer. Instead, we pray with people. We teach them to pray by praying with them. They learn by doing. And the same thing with community and Catholic social teaching and the moral life. We witness to them the beauty and the integrity of the church's teaching on the moral life, and we invite them into it. And as they have questions, we can say, here's why we believe this. This is the church teaching on this. This is what the greatest saints and philosophers have said about this within the Catholic tradition. But if it's something that they, they, they don't have a problem believing, and you know, if they say, well, I've liked kids my whole life, it's not hard for me to believe abortion is, is evil, then we don't need to spend time on it. We just say, okay, great, glad you agree. What are some of the things that you might not understand as well? So this mentorship will establish a real friendship. And one of the keys here is if people went through RCIA this way, if they became Catholic this way, they would begin to form community. They'd share a way of life with somebody and they would automatically have a friend. And sometimes becoming Catholic can be like being on a conveyor belt that is only one way. While you're on it, you have a lot of care and support and attention. And then when it's over, it's done. You can't go back unless you're a part of the team. And so the support and the mentorship that people loved and really appreciated is gone for them, which is tragic because these people are still new in the faith and they're still going to be very grateful for that mentorship, that Christian friendship. So we've talked before about the the St. Paul principle, how St. Paul was mentored himself by someone and he was always mentoring someone. And then he always had his, in his mind, who's the next person? So once I'm finished and I can launch this person into ministry, who am I going to invite into this process again? And I would say this is the same way. So we shouldn't just say, okay, you know, go through this for a year and then you're done and then you're, you're ready to go. But instead to say, we want to make sure that you have friends in this community, in the, the Christian family who can continue to walk with you. So, again, the, the liturgical aspects of becoming Catholic, those all still take place within the parish community as they should because those are public celebrations. And the church community as a, as a whole invites people in and welcomes them and begins to, to help them understand what it means to be a part of the family of God. But the formation... That does not need to be left up to a specialized few. To go back to Pope Francis in Evangelii Gaudium, I believe is that same paragraph, 120, he said something along the lines of, "We we shouldn't envision the scenario where evangelization is left up to a few professionals, but rather this is the job of everyone. And I don't think we understand how much fruit is out there ready to be reaped if we were to do that, simply because of something like, if... Uh, Let's say somebody joins RCAA and just gets really annoyed by the person who's leading it or had a bad experience with somebody with that same name or with those same set of glasses or that same shape nose or what have you. If somebody could say, you know what, this is really hard for me. Is there any other way I could become Catholic? And we could say, oh, you know what? Here's somebody who you might really connect with. They'd love to mentor you and walk with you. And the other thing that I want to make sure I'm pointing out is all of this happens under the guidance of the priest who has the leadership authority in that parish to guide and govern, but doesn't need to to be directly involved in all of this. So the content that people go over, the resources that people use, the formation of those people who are participating as mentors and as leaders, all of that comes under the guidance of the priest. But if we are going to uh, to extend his reach and his influence more, then the key, as Pope Francis and as many others have pointed out, is to foster in all of the laity a sense of responsibility for the mission of the church. So those are some thoughts on what it would look like if RCIA happened at the individual level. If you feel called to that, I would really encourage you... Uh, Pray about that more and ask the Lord how you can begin. There's some really good resources out there. I would recommend looking up Nick Wagner and Diana McAllenthal with Team RCIA. They have some outstanding resources, especially their books. Those are really, really good. And uh, that could get you started on this road. And then share with your pastor and say, I feel like the Lord is calling me to do this. I would love to. How can How can I help the parish? How can I help the community in this way? So friends, thanks so much for listening. It is always a joy to be with you. And if you have not yet subscribed, I would invite you to. We would love if you did that and uh, share this with some friends leave us a review up to five stars you can leave less than that if, if you want but if you want to leave us a less than five star review i would really appreciate it at first you just email us and say hey i was going to leave you a three star or a no star review but i wanted to talk to you first and just let me know what we can do to get better and then if we don't get better then you can leave that review And of course, we have our book available on Amazon, Go Make Disciples by Justin Reyes and Dan Boyd. That is where we elaborate a lot of these things. It is a go-to guide for starting ministries either at your parish or just in your own home. And we really, really think you will love that book. So friends, thanks so much. God bless you. Please pray for us and know that we are praying for you. Peace.